Welcome to the Mindfulness Academy podcast. I'm your host, Amy Morgan. And today on the show, we have Jessica Gershman. Thank you for joining us, Jessica. Hey, thanks for having me. It's so nice to be here. It is wonderful to have you. I'm going to give you a quick introduction and then we will hop right into things. Sounds good. Jessica is the voice behind the Zenish Mommy podcast, as well as a passionate believer in the power of self-care. Through her work as a certified yoga instructor, an accomplished home chef, and a dedicated mindfulness practitioner, she creates a place where moms can slow down, be authentic, and take the me time without guilt. You can follow her on Instagram, you have a great following there, at the underscore zen underscore mommy, where she connects with over 20,000 followers. Find her podcast, The Zenish Mommy, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Well, I am trying to remember exactly how we connected. It has been a while, though. I think it was around maybe shortly after COVID started. I feel like it was probably 2020. I think so. When did the book come out? Yeah, 2020. Okay, then it was. It was right in the heat of things. That's when we met. I know. I read the book. We got to connect. You came on my platform, which was really nice. Uh, and it was such a good time to connect anyway, because 2020, we were just all starving for any kind of human connection. We were outside, remember, Jerry? I do. And you're beautiful. You have like um, this outdoor area next to your pool, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah. It I- was a lovely night, too. The weather was great. It was a great conversation, and we kept it going. I don't know if you recorded all that afterward. I mean, it was pretty intense. So. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. It, it was, was super fun. fun. Well, I'm glad we are reconnected now. Um, I always like to start the show by getting a little bit of a sense of who you are, where you grew up, a little bit of your, your training and background. So tell us who you are, Jessica. Ooh, God, I feel like that's kind of a loaded question. Who am I? Uh, well... I had a varied past. I started my career really early at 19, uh, was in commercial development, um, had a lot of suffering before I found my way into mindfulness and yoga and meditation. Um, I was a public school graduate. You know, I I started my career at 19 really early uh, and had a lot of suffering. Really, I, my parents were both narcissists and type A and, you know, how that goes. <laughs> Doesn't usually fare well. Uh, and I uh, had the birth of my first daughter in um, 2009. I was 28 years old. It was also the same time that the real estate market crashed. Uh, we went into the Great Recession, and it was a natural break. Uh, my, my dad's company was uh, going bankrupt at the time, and, you know, I was having my first child. And I felt this really intense calling to do inner work on myself and find my own joy, uh, if not for my sake, but for the sake of my daughter. And what I had not been able to accomplish up until that point in my own personal journey, and, and I've been in therapy probably since I was 17 years old, you know, just trying to do the inner work, trying to reduce the suffering. Um, But I had this calling with her, and uh, I found my way into yoga. And that really started what is now uh, like a 14-year love affair with the practice and the journey. Uh, I became a certified yoga instructor in 2014. I've subsequently trained all over the country from New York to San Francisco. Uh, And that has been the place, the path, that I've found a connection to God, a connection to 
the universe, a connection to myself. Um, yoga became my mirror um, in that shot. Didn't always show me things I wanted to see, uh, but uh, it was a beautiful mirror that, that led me on a path of true healing and transformation as I sit here today. Wow. That is quite the journey. And you really have delved into to yoga. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of training. Yes. Um, yeah, I have several 500 hour certs. I'm currently in a 500 hour with yoga medicine. Uh, it was, it was my religion, really. I didn't grow up with religion. I converted to Judaism, uh, when my daughter was born, uh, but I didn't feel this connection. When I started to read ancient yogic texts and the sutras and the Bhagavad Gita and really understanding these thousands of year old, you know, texts, and I was like, wow, they still apply. Like the same suffering we were having 5,000 years ago, sadly, is the same suffering that we're having today. Uh, and that was just, it was my path to awakening and subsequently got you know, into meditation and mindfulness through that path and um, some deeper inner work. Um, but yoga was really was my path to healing. And that's beautiful. Do you have um, a particular um, pose or sequence that helps center you or heal you? Whatever applies. Yeah, I mean, finding your seat, right? That's what yoga is about, meditation. I mean, getting to that point of stillness. And it's funny, my meditation practice was the last thing that came on board uh, from a consistency. I think anyone that would say when you practice, there are certain poses that you hate. Those are the ones that you generally need to do more of. Like I don't particularly like eagle and that's because my hips are tight and I don't have like a lot of internal hip rotation. It tends to be tight. But, you know, what we need most, we often resist. Uh, so for me, the most powerful part is just sitting in stillness and doing nothing. You know, I say Shavasana. When you see the kids at the, you know, in the class, the kids, the people, the students in yoga classes that are rolling up their mat before Shavasana and they're like, ah, oh, I'm like, no, that's the best part. That's the money part. Exactly. You know, they say that in yoga, we were like a snowball. And so we shake it all up and we move all this stuff around. We move all this energy and in Shavasana, you know, in meditation, which is what it's preparing you to do. That's when the dust settles. That's when everything gets to kind of create new neural pathways. It gets to settle in a different way. And we've all shaken a snow globe, it's never going to look the same. You know, it's all going to settle in a different way. And that's a beautiful vision of what that, that pose, that uh, the ending sequence of Shavasana or meditation does. It probably is my favorite pose. It, it is the moment where you get to be still, you get to let things be as they are, and to see yeah, how you are, what your snow globe looks like on the other side. I'm curious if you have um, experience teaching yin yoga no i i don't have any particular excuse me i don't have any particular training in yin it's so funny when i first started practicing i was like a hot vinyasa girl so i was like oh the hotter the faster the better <laughs> and that just shows kind of where you are in your mental state but it got me to the practice it got me to the mat uh, and then as i've aged and you know your body slows down a little bit despite every effort and keeping it going uh, i've definitely gratitude gravitated more toward uh, yin postures, the yin practice, the slower practice. Um, there's so much yumminess in that softness. Uh, and what I love about the slower practice is that it's accessible to most, you know, a lot, at a lot of times um, where maybe like a, a more vigorous practice isn't the best every day. 
Um, in the winter, it, you know, vigorous practice is great. In the summer, actually, it's like opposite. You want to do a slower practice. You don't want to kind of, you're already hot already. You don't need to like add the external heat. Um, but no, I mean, the yin practices, there's nothing more yummy and gooey than shoving a bunch of bolsters and blankets and pillows and props and then just like laying like a pool of, you know, relaxation for minutes and minutes at a time. Yes. So would you describe what yin yoga is? I mean, I love the the term yummy because, um, so I, I'll do it. I'll do a little explanation in my own terms and you might have some, some layers to go over it. So how I envision yin, which is one of my favorite practices, um, is getting into one position at a time. And some of it can be, you know, kind of as stretchy as you like. Sometimes it's kind of a hyper extension of certain areas of your body. Um, maybe you're kind of uh, bridging your back in a particular fashion and letting your body settle into it. So you, you've shaken that snow globe and then you're letting it settle in that particular position. And you're noticing all these sensations and you have these choices, right? Whether you want to shift a little bit because it starts to get uncomfortable, typically, I find. Um, or if you sit with it and get really curious about hmm, I think my legs are going numb. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? And seeing what happens. And then the opposite of that is kind of going back into, for instance, kind of a recovery pose of maybe it might be Shavasana, where you get to kind of feel your body kind of tingle back into life in a different fashion. You, you've opened things up and you've um, moved it in a way that it's not used to holding. And it's usually for several minutes, which is it's a practice. And so it, it, I think it taught me during a very difficult time in my life how to, how to physically be with uncomfortable things because my path was different than yours. Pro kind of probably going to be essentially kind of the opposite. So it's very interesting to talk with you because my practice started um, with NBSR, so mindfulness-based stress reduction, which it, from my experience in the training had been you know, very focused on your senses, of course, but... Um, which I think you're going to lead us in, in a practice in that later, but it's um, very meditation-based. Um, and so I started there, which is its own difficult path in, in its starting, um, but I stayed curious about it. But I felt like sitting and letting emotions move through me was one sort of practice where I got to notice uh, it was a lot more in my head, whereas laying with it was a lot more in my body. And so I feel like um, the merging of those two really taught me a lesson in a, more, in a more holistic way. So it sounds like you're kind of going the opposite. You know, you've had, you started with the yoga going into mindfulness. Um, I assume that the, the yoga kind of has probably, so it's prepared you physically and probably mentally, I would think, right? I mean, if somebody starts in the path like you, what kind of tips would you give them? Yeah, um, I think the best tip is figuring out what's going to get you there, right? Any For me, I was a very physical person. I like physical activity. I'm very uh, fitness focused. I've always taught group fitness. I was back teaching kickboxing in the Billy Blanks days, you know, back in oh, the day. Oh, love me some Billy Blanks. <laughs> so it was an easier uh, transition for me to find 
um, internal awareness. You know, yoga for practices is really just being curious about yourself. I mean, the same thing with meditation. But if someone said to me at 28 years old, I want you to go sit for 20 minutes and meditate, I, I thought it was some kind of like torture device. And I remember sitting actually for 20 minutes and I was like, my eyes are open and I'm looking around. Everyone is like, is it, are people serious? Like, this is terrible. I hated every second of it. So for me to come in that other way was the only way it could have happened. Um, and anyone that is interested in finding, you know, their seat, find meditation or mindfulness or yoga, it's starting with something um, that you enjoy. If you can find things that you enjoy about whatever it is, if it's yoga and that's your path, if it's yin or if it's vinyasa or if it's bhakti and you're chanting and you're a singer and that's what you are into or what you're called to share, it's finding something that's going to get you there and keep you showing up. I think that's the best route to travel. And then you get to notice how it evolves. I mean, I'll tell you about my meditation practice, and I've said this on my podcast, is I super sleuthed my way into doing a daily meditation practice. I, I, started, I was curious about this. Like, yeah. how did it start? Well, I tricked myself in. I was like, okay. okay. So I just started laying in my bed with the intention of not looking at my phone for a few minutes when I woke up in the morning. I was like, okay. So then that kind of turned into like maybe what would be about five minutes. And it was like, you have to do this before you could look at your phone. That was like the, you know, the challenge and the reward. And then that turned into, well, now I'm going to sit up in bed. And then that turned into, well, I'm going to go get out of my bed and I'm going to go sit over in this day bed that's in my room. And I'm going to sit there for about five to seven minutes. And then it turned into, now I'm going to go downstairs and have a meditation practice. But it took me a couple months to get there to do this. Not every day I get up for 15 or 20 minutes and I sit down in my office and I have crystals and I have mantra and I have breath and I have all these you know visualizations and wonderful things now that I've developed. But I kind of tricked myself into let me just start with this intention of I'm going to do something different. I'm going to put my focus here instead of saying, because for me, I'm all or nothing. A lot of us are black and white. I'm going to, I'm going to get up every day and meditate for 10 or 20 minutes. And then when you don't, you just throw everything out. And it's like, okay, why well, I, I can't do this. I'm not good at it. I mean, how many times have you heard people say, well, I, I can't meditate. I'm not good at it. My mind won't slow down. I mean, I, hear, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible. I'm like, why do you think? You should do yoga. <laughs> to become flexible. <laughs> right. I mean, that, yes, that is the point. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of easing my way into something, taking all of these, uh, like, restrictions on the idea of meditation. Like, it had to be sitting. It had to be 20 minutes. It had to be with an upright spine. And, it, you know, I took all of that away and said, okay, what if I just gave myself the freedom for this intentionality? And I was just going to take a few moments to myself. And then that was allowed me to develop a practice that I actually really love and enjoy and look forward to every day. So same thing with yoga, like do a few postures from YouTube, check it out, do it from the comfort of your home, you know, where you feel comfortable and safe. And, you know, it's not everybody feels comfortable going into a yoga studio and being around what would appear to be all these people that know what they're doing. And you're the one in the back kind of looking around. I mean, that's uncomfortable. We don't like to try new things a lot of the time. So, you know, start in a way that's going to get you, in whatever's going to get a foot in the door is, is what I say is the path that works. And I think setting up a path of least resistance, you know, if, if you talk with a doctor, a lot of times they'll say, well, the best exercise is the one that you're going to do. You know, if you hate to run, but you love to roller skate, go roller skate, you know? And so I think it kind of follows with this, find your bliss, find the thing that is enjoyable and you're more likely to do that. Um, 
we had another guest on the show recently who said if don't set yourself up for failure just like you said don't don't try with you know 20 minutes a day and if i don't do it today then it's all over but just start with a daily practice even if it is literally one minute yeah laying in your bed in the morning i mean truly that's how it started so just say you could say my intention is not to look at my phone for one minute and i'll i'll just lay here and notice maybe i will breathe one minute one minute um, I'm a big fan of Atomic Habits. We really are around our office at Good Aim Communications. And one of the things, um, one of the tenets of setting up Atomic Habits, so so things that are Loctite, is make it really easy and attach it to something. Um, so path of least resistance. So first thing in the morning, you know, you really don't have a, a sincere excuse. Yeah, those last five minutes in bed when you want to lay there. Right? I mean, it's not, you're not actually getting like deep, rem, you know, deep sleep or REM. You're not really benefiting yourself in any way. I'm like, you can get out five or 10 minutes early. It's not that big of a deal. And then just lay there and it's attached to something. Maybe your alarm goes off and instead of snoozing, you attach instead of the snooze, I will, I will notice for these however many minutes yeah what's snoozes. this news like seven minutes i think that's so that's strong, what i was trying to I mean, think that's what, good that's a good period of time mm, i like that the okay. time between the alarm and the snooze that's a good setup well i think our show is over we have solved the world's <laughs> <Check> problems <done. laughs> so um one thing i like to ask our guests is to define what mindfulness is you know in layman's terms yeah so what is it for you how would you define it well, I think it's, we say we talk about mindfulness as being in the present moment. What does that mean? Like the present moment in yoga is like this breath, this one right here. And the key piece for me is like without judgment. So it's without the story in our head that we want to tell about the experience, because if we really think about it, you know, our perception is our reality and what we take in. And, and then we, we have, a, we attach a story onto all of this visual input and experiences and, and we create goods or bads or some kind of judgments on it uh, a lot of times about ourself in the experience you know there's a lot of you know we run in a shame kind of spiral a lot of the times but mindfulness is really just allowing the present moment to happen without judgment so i always say you know it's being that observer or that witness that you really can be in the experience uh, you can practice mindfulness in an interaction of just being really present with someone, you know, present with you now, I'm looking at your face and I'm, I'm listening to your words and I'm not thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say. Uh, I'm not judging what your outfit looks like or <laughs> what I'm going to do later. I judged yours because they said it was so adorable. <laughs> Trust me. Does I that count? I mean, yeah. if it's positive, I think it's fine, right? Um, but it comes back to that, right? And it, again, it's a practice and that's what I love. It's so beautiful. There is no perfection. You can never be a master of yoga, you know, a master of of accessing the present moment. No, it's a it's a constant. Every breath is a reminder. Like, okay, now this one, this one, I'm going to show up and be present for. Which means, in all of this, is that there's no failure, because every breath, every moment is a new opportunity to show up, do better, try again. You know, let everything in the past go. I mean, I tell my kids this all the time. You know, just okay. It's like we're, it's a new opportunity. This breath, take a deep breath that one's gone you know we we just keep moving forward um so yeah mindfulness is this is this beautiful practice that you can't fail at so there's no reason not to do it that's a beautiful way to say it i'm curious i definitely want to get into you being a mom 
how mindfulness folds into that. Um, but I'm curious, since we've kind of already started down the path of routines, do you have a typical routine? And if so, would you describe that? It sounds like you have built a morning routine um, around mindfulness, about 15 minutes, however that, however the spirit leads in the morning um, to get you into a positive space, which I think is a wonderful time to just reorient first thing in the morning. Find your, find your North Star and then you can sail. <laughs> For sure. I, and that's, we talk about path of least resistance. I mean, in the morning before the kids are awake is, is the time to do it. And so that's when I, I do my morning meditation. Um, you know, for me, I get centered with breath. I take a few moments. Uh, I work through um, just connecting with source. To me, is the universe. It, it can be God. It can be all of humanity. It can be energy. Uh, I connect with that in my practice. Um, I sometimes wrap, you know, my loved ones in my light and, and extend that out. Uh, I work with uh, mantra meditation. So I generally work with, you know, I have abundance, creativity, and prosperity. Um, sometimes I throw other little things in, you know, making my own money. I, I manifested that for a while. Uh, going through just uh, finding epic love and opening my heart to the experience of being loved by others. Um, and I always end my meditation practice with just a simple thank you. And sometimes they're profound things that come up, just a little moment of gratitude. Sometimes it's silly things like I'm thankful for sun or peppermint bark or <laughs> I mean we all should be <laughs> I do. add it to your list oh, yeah, I do love a good pepper, peppermint bark for sure from William Sonoma Oof. that is oh that's a high bar that's, yeah it's a very high bar for the peppermint bark but you know just ending in a gratitude practice is we reminded it reminds me of all of the things that you know blessings that we have and sometimes it's just waking up and you know today I did a meditation on just thanking my body of being this home to have a human experience and no matter what I think about it on a daily basis whether I like it or don't like it or it fit into these pants or it didn't fit into those pants you know this is my house it's been with me since I was born and it'll be with me until I transition and so some, just I'm thanking my my body is a beautiful way and then you know it goes into feeding the dog and getting the kids ready for school and and all of the things that transition into our life uh, the other thing that's really important is I schedule in, you know, that first hour once I get the kids to school is my time to do physical activity, whether it's yoga or running or spinning or fitness or taking a, the dog for a walk. It's that hour of really making sure that I carve out that time for myself. And I don't generally waver on that for a lot of, of things. Not a, There'd have to be a pretty special meeting for me to kind of give up that time because as a mom, I have four kids. I, I have a job, I have, you know, I have a podcast, I have all of these things and responsibilities. And if I push it off to the end of the day, the, my needs are going to go last. And that's usually how that goes. And it falls off. So I think this is a great transition to talk about your podcast, your, your vision about giving women this place to, without guilt, slow down, take me time, invest in self-care. And it, it's obvious that you are modeling that, but what, what kind of brought that about for you as something that was important to share with other women? Well, I really feel that as women, we really have to go out and educate and empower ourselves. There's so much misinformation, and as women, uh, we often get passed off by doctors and physicians, and you know, people are just like, oh, that's mom brain. You know, you're, you're struggling alone, and if you pull up social media, you'll think everyone else has it better than you. 
and you're the only one that's really struggling, or, you know, whether it's postpartum or struggling with teenage kids, and I will tell you that you're not, <laughs> that we're in this together. But I really wanted to create a platform where women could educate and empower themselves, take this opportunity to uh, see what else is out there, whether it's plant-based medicine or understanding generational trauma or uh, hearing stories from other incredible women to realize that you're not alone. And that was a platform for the podcast. I realized very quickly uh, in my yoga studio that you know women would come see me for an hour for yoga and that would be like the best hour of their week and then they would go back and the skills didn't transition beyond that. So, you know, what can we do that will create this stress relieving toolbox? Because a lot of people aren't going to practice yoga on their own or feel comfortable doing that. And, you know, on my platform, I really wanted to give these very short, actionable weekly tips, mindfulness, meditation, breath techniques, so that everyone listening, tuning in can create their own stress relieving toolbox. I find that, you know, you are able to listen to all kinds of different stories, opinions, tools, techniques, and then you take what works for you and you leave the rest. And so if you give enough variety uh, that people are going to hear themselves in the stories. People are going to find techniques or tools or ideas maybe they hadn't thought of. You know, even just release one on mindful eating and just taking an apple and using that as an opportunity. Those little moments of eating an apple mindfully and having the experience can change the perspective of your whole day, can change the trajectory of your day, yeah. can give you these little tools. And so I wanted to help women create stress-relieving toolboxes because – I mean, life is stressful. Being a mom is stressful. Being a working mom is stressful. Being an, a stay-at-home mom is stressful. There are so many things outside of our control. Everything is truly outside of our control if we really go down to it. Um, but, but our thoughts and our, our actions are the things that we can control. And so I really wanted to set up other women and offer the tools that have made such a difference in my life. Well, thank you for all the work that you have done in that arena. It feels like you are... A champion for women health physical mental spiritual um not really all facets and it's it's beautiful to see how your platform has grown and um the variety that you have covered we get so much out of this opportunity of this platform of talking with people that we wouldn't necessarily normally be interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis right. but i've gotten so much out of the podcast and just an answering questions, you know, silly ones like what are the best baby names for 2023? And then really deep ones of like how we really do transfer trauma in our DNA and it can go back three generations. And so wow. um, it, it's all about education, awareness, empowerment. Uh, my tagline that I just love is with awareness comes choice. So we first build this practice of awareness, whatever that is, you know, awareness of the present moment, awareness of what our monkey mind does, awareness of, you know, what our negative self-talk is, you know, awareness of our reactions, whether it's with our kids or our spouse or, you know, once we build this awareness piece, then we have choice on how we want to proceed. And that is once you recognize that connection, joy is not off limits like that opens up everything in, in joy and experience to you. I love that. I love that. With awareness comes choice. Mm, letting that sink in. That's really lovely. I am wondering how you bring mindfulness into parenthood. 
Yes. Because you have a podcast named Zenish Mommy. So tell us about that. Four kids. How, what, are the, what are the ages at this point? Uh, yeah. So 21, 19, 13, and 10. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I have two stepsons that I raised that I love dearly. I didn't birth them, but I, you know, I raised them and have been in their lives since they were one and three. And then I have two girls. That teenage one was a little rough. And then I have a ten-year-old that's still holding on to her sweetness. I have four kids. Yeah. And um, I think you have to be mindful when you parent because the reactions are deep. You want to talk about generational reactions, <laughs> depending on how you were parented. Um, we hold a lot of trauma from our childhood, you know, even in the most joyful childhoods. Um, and it can be really easy to impart our own experiences and trauma onto our children. Uh, when we're not mindful, we can often suffocate and squelch kind of our children's identity and impart our vision and views and values. Uh, and, and our children have their own lives. Our lives are not their lives. That was a lesson that you know, I learned really early on that I still try to practice. Um, I, I mentioned to you that my oldest daughter is going to go to boarding school. And she said to me last night, she said, you know, you haven't really said much about the schools. And, you know, what I said, I've really tried to stay out of it. You know, this is your journey. This is your experience. I want you to go to, with your gut. I want you to follow your heart. I want you to really think long and deep about what the next, you know, three, five, ten years of your life looks like without my opinion. Now, you get into the school and you decide where you're going to go, I'm, you know, I'm be the first, the biggest cheerleader, the loudest cheerleader. But the mindfulness piece is just separating our own wants and needs and desires, reactions and habits um, from, from the present, from the experience. Uh, with my kids, I use the, the, the little tagline like, do you want my opinion or do you just want me to listen? Oh, I love that one. Yeah. I think I just heard um, I just heard that in another podcast and I thought it was brilliant. And sometimes they want your opinion. Yeah, right, right, right. Sometimes they're like, yeah, no, I, I want to know what you have to say. And they're like, no, I just want to vent. And some of it is recognizing that we're here to hold space for our children. That's kind of, that's kind of it. We're not ready to be they're like I, I love this uh we're the bumpers in the lane I'm a terrible bowler so I like the little bumpers we're the bumpers in the lane we are not the bowling lane the lane is our children's lane we're the bumpers to kind of keep them safe when they when they mess up or when they need you or when you just want to bump them back into the center but you're not the lane it's their lane and I think mindfulness is that beautiful practice that is going to get you there because again it's going to give you that awareness piece if you can't even recognize where you end and your child begins, it's hard to to separate that. It's hard to allow them to grow and be whoever they're going to be and celebrate them for exactly who they are because we we put our own like opinions and, and judgments on them. And that is lovely. So I kind of hear mindfulness is kind of being aware of not being enmeshed or codependent almost. It's saying you are your own separate entity. I am here as like the bumper. I love that analogy. I'm going to keep a hold of that one for myself. Um, but giving them lots of leeway to to make mistakes. I think that is one of the joys of, of children getting older is starting to give them more choice. Um, our family is um, 
moving to a different part of town, like I mentioned while we were chatting before we started here, and we brought our kids in on that decision. Um, at this juncture, they're eight and eleven, you know, so third and sixth grade, and um, you know, we showed them the house we were looking at and the neighborhood we were considering. Took them to some events in the neighborhood, let them get to know some people. Um, I've taken them on school tours, you know, but at the end of the day, we we had to have we decided to have kind of a democratic process around this because it wasn't just my husband and I saying, Hey, we're moving. If the kids are completely miserable, then we're not winning as a family. Right. And so, um, realizing that they have their own experience and of course, you know, they're happy with it, but, but we are having lots of tears at this point (laughs) because they're, they're realizing the ramifications of it. And, um, as as a mom, I'm wanting to shield them from that. You know, oh, you're gonna miss your friends where we live now. Oh, you're gonna miss your friends that you brought together in your school and you loved your music program or whatever it might be. And I I, I was sharing this with a dear friend of mine recently, and she said, um, Amy, your kids are gonna have their feelings, and you need to let them have them. It's not your job to fix them. They're gonna feel the feels. And that was also freeing. Again, where they end and I begin, and it kind of just helped me realize it's okay to let your kids have big emotions, or as one of my friends calls, big energy. Because you can do a lot with energy, right? You, if you have the energy, you can run it off. You can, you can meditate and sit with it. You can transform energy. You can choose to make yourself a better person when you have big energy, big emotions. And it's hard. It's hard to let them just cry and not try to change the whole outcome of everything. That's hard for me. Yeah, I mean, shielding our children from life experiences is doing them a lot of harm, right? Right. Okay, thank you for saying that. You're helping me with the guilt. No, it's 100%. (laughs) I mean, they are, how are they going to manage their own feelings and emotions if they haven't been given the space to have them? That we've tried to shield them from, you know, life's heartache. I mean, that's a part of it. I mean, so is life's joy. You don't get a, you know, I say this, you don't get a numb out to just the heartache. Like you numb out to the heartache and the joy. So to experience all of it is having the human experience. We can be there and hold them when they're crying and comfort them. You know, the other piece is like not taking ownership in their successes. It's like, even, I don't even say I'm really proud of you. I'm like, gosh, how do you feel about that? Or you should be really proud of yourself. And know that put all of that onus back on you. I'm not in there in eighth grade taking your science test. You know, I don't need to be proud. And I didn't do anything. I didn't contribute at all. I mean, I love you and I support you. And you did this. You know, and the converse is when they mess up, they also did that. You know, and it's okay. You know, you try to just soften any of the major blows. But, you know, having the ups and downs of life is part of it. And if we shield our children from the downs, then they're not going to be equipped as adults. And that's when I think we talk about some of the generations and the difference in parenting and, you know, the helicopter parenting is was so big for so long that we just want to be so immersed into and enmeshed into our child's life and do everything. And we overschedule and we're, we're, we're owning all of their you know, experiences and, and, and recitals and, and sports games. And, you know, we're, we're in it and we're like almost reliving our own life and childhood. And the reality is none of that's yours. And it's hard enough. 
you know, to do with our own life as an adult. You don't need to take on your kids' lives. So the best things to do is to just comfort them, be in that space where they know that they can come, let them cry, let them feel it. My kids love me. They make fun of me all the time because um, when they're having some big feelings, I'm like, okay, so where do you feel that in your body? Yes. And then and then I go one step further and they really hate me for this one. I'm like, okay, does it, is it bumpy or scratchy or does it have a color? And they're like, shut up. But I was like, seriously, if you sit and actually feel it, is it hot or cold or scratchy or bumpy or loose or airy? Is it blue? Is it red? And, you know, those kind of things of just like, is laughter as much as they laugh at me and make fun of me. But it is like these little kind of imparts of wisdom, like take a minute. I know it sounds silly and maybe it doesn't feel bumpy or scratchy to you right now, but if you take a minute and allow your body to feel those emotions, A, they're going to eventually go away. Nothing's permanent. You know, we don't feel blue forever. We don't feel happy forever. Uh, and you allow yourself to feel it. It takes, it takes the intensity out of the emotion, right? I mean, you know, obviously know that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, giving them that verbiage as silly as it is and be like, all right, let's check in. How do you feel? Where is that in your body? Is it in your knee? <laughs> right. And it's empowering. I yeah. mean, um, you know, Brene Brown is an advocate for precision in our words, you know, with her recent book, Atlas of the Heart, um, which is lovely. And I think that this is a cousin to that. Um, or maybe it is what she's really saying is using precise words it's very important because it honors our experience and properly communicates it accurately communicates it to someone else. Um, I think it's a, it's a powerful thing. And that piece doesn't happen. Precision in your words doesn't happen without mindfulness. Period. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. Because that again is the awareness piece, which doesn't happen without mindfulness. You can't, know which words to choose if you're just spouting off at the mouth if you're just reacting all the time or if you're caught in the story of your head you often don't even notice the words that are coming out of your mouth you're purely working from the mammalian the reptile brain way in the back you're not working from executive functioning you're not working from problem solving you're not working from awareness and choice and presence and all of that beautiful precision of words that it makes a big difference like using the word and and not but like, I'm really happy to be here, Amy, but I have to leave at 1230. Well, that just makes it sound terrible. I was like, I'm really happy to be here, Amy, and I have to leave at 1230. Like, that makes a huge difference. But without awareness, you, our, our natural tendencies are just to throw words out, you know, without meaning. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point there, too. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm connecting the dots with mindfulness and, and Brene's platform right now and and that feels so incredibly right I'm curious if you could tell me how mindfulness has impacted your life you 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 mentioned earlier that it became kind of a religion for you that it was your connection to the universe to God as you know God how has it impacted you is is that kind of the summary of it or is there anything else yeah I think for me it was I mean, even in my meditation, I pray to see my shadows, um, to look at the uncomfortable parts about myself, um, my patterns, my reactions, my habits, um, what mindfulness, you know, I, I kind of use it as this big umbrella, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, kind of under this healing umbrella that, we, that we're talking of. And, and what those practices have done is held up a mirror allowed me to see the parts of myself that weren't always so pretty, 
um, the parts of myself that were unkind or, or critical, especially of myself, uh, and uh, lacked self-compassion. You know, I, I suffered a lot. I'm very open to talk about my uh, suffering of eating disorders in my early 20s and addiction and drug use and all of this craziness um, that was really just trying to escape the chatter in my mind. It was so intense and so loud. Um, and so for me, softening that, you know, 20 years ago, I could have never sat for 15 or 20 minutes and, and been able to feel good. You know, that chatter was really, really intense and really critical and really negative. And so all of that practice has allowed me to um, forgive myself. I greet myself uh, with a lot of compassion. I've done a lot of inner child work. I've met little Jess in this journey and 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 felt compassion for her and, and sadness for some of her experiences. And uh, move forward, I live uh, without regret. I truly believe that even in my darkest of days, I was making the best decision I could with the information I had at the time. Wouldn't necessarily make some of those choices today sitting here um, but it is the path that got me to where I am. I choose joy every day. I choose moments of joy. I choose moments for myself. Uh, I choose the opportunity to begin again. I apologize a lot. Uh, I, I you know, admit when I'm wrong, especially to my kids. I think that's so important to apologize. We are not going to be perfect as parents. I mean, that's the zen-ish, right? We're not zen. I mean, zen is you know, a really high bar and something to strive for. And some days I'm more Zen than others. And some days I'm more crazy than others. And some days I'm more stressed than others. Um, but, but recognizing that um, and all of those tools of growth and evolution and introspection, um, forgiveness and compassion and joy, they all go together, you know, in the experience. And that uh, couldn't be achieved without without the path of yoga and meditation and mindfulness. I'm curious, as we've talked about um, self-care and we've talked about mindfulness and, and how those come together, I'm wondering if you have any tips for those who are looking for a path of self-care. Maybe they have a lot of negative self-chatter and maybe it's even self-chatter that they're not aware of because so much happens up in here and until you stop and start listening to even be aware of it holy cow sometimes there's kind of like this maniac at the wheel like oof you need to sit down honey <laughs> that is not how I want to be thinking um and so just the awareness of it is big but I know you've done a lot of a lot of inner work and so hearing about all of that meeting little Jess, beautiful kinds of work going on there. Um, I'm wondering what might even be one step. So we've talked about the morning, you know, being able to meditate like that when the alarm goes off. Is there anything else that can help? Because women have a lot on their plates. We're wearing a lot of hats. And um, especially when you hit kind of that sandwich generation, it just compounds and it feels like I, I, my personal experience it can feel like it's just never enough there's never enough time there's never enough energy never enough all these things and that's my own negative self-chatter right right we're gonna admit that yeah because <laughs> it, it will never be enough if that's the way that we approach it if we approach it and yeah. so I, I I know that's my own hang up mm -hmm. 
but what's 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 maybe a just a, a way to dip the toe into uh, self-care and or mindfulness you, you get to choose and it might be kind of a, sure. a marriage of the two yeah I mean the reality is we all have the same 24 hours in a day um you know, CEOs to stay-at-home moms and everybody in between. Um, and no matter your level of busyness, you know, the time is the same for everyone. And it becomes down to choice. And and the reality is you have to start choosing yourself first. Oh, let's say that again. Yeah, you have to choose yourself first, first and foremost over everything, over your job, your career, your relationship, your children. Uh, you have to choose you. You have to feel worthy enough to choose you. How do you get there? It's different for everybody. For me, it was a combination of, you know, a lot of therapy and uh, support groups and education and books. And there's a great one called Soul Without Shame that really highlights the inner critic, that crazy voice in your head that talks about self-judgment and and criticizes you or has a story about every experience. Um, and the inner critic isn't always negative, right? The inner critic is says some positive things too, but just being able to understand that chatter and then the beautiful piece again it's awareness so what is going to help you build awareness and how do you do it i love as we were going to talk about a practice using the five senses right those are accessible um or or even i mean breathing i come back to it on my platform time and time again everyone on this planet is breathing it is free it's accessible to all um, taking a few deep breaths before you eat active self-care i'm going to mindfully eat i'm not just going to sit in front of my tv binge netflix and you know, eat this tub of ice cream. I'm going to take a few breaths and I'm going to enjoy the experience. I mean, ice cream doesn't taste good when you feel bad about eating it the whole time. You know, I wouldn't, the peppermint bark would not be as good if I wasn't really enjoying it. But if I was eating the peppermint bark and being like, well, this is going to go straight to your hips. No, that's, you know, why do we do this to ourselves? And everyone has this experience uh, from the celebrities to the monks, to the, to the yogis, to, uh, to just the everyday person. And so little tips are, again, making a habit. I, I kind of recommend uh, putting uh, an alarm in your phone a few times a day. I love just doing an emotional check-in. Uh, so if people are having a hard time doing that, uh, just an alarm, maybe three different ones, you take a minute or two. You sit and breathe. You check in with your emotions. Maybe you put a note. I mean, we have these little computers. We might as well use them for good, you know. Uh, sometimes it's just recognizing how much time. I mean, every week, I don't, I'm sure your phone does this too. It tells you how much time you spent on your phone, mm. how many hours a day you it, spent. It's high right now because we're, we're recording around the holidays. Yes. And there's been some shopping happening. A lot Lots of, of online shopping. So a lot of online we, shopping. We have a lot of downtime, right? We have more time than we want to account for. I, the scrolling Let's TikTok. say that again. Yes. That, it's interesting that you said that because I've been thinking about that a lot of the last few weeks that I think I have more time than I give myself credit for because there are times where I will scroll through Facebook half an hour yeah. every time. doesn't matter. Yeah. You get hooked and then it just keeps I mean, going. The entire platform is to keep you using the platform. It is to hook you to stay on mm -hmm. longer. I mean, that is the algorithm. That's why they show you the things that they show you. That's why yes. I scroll and shop Instagram. I mean, it's, it's, I'm like, I didn't know I needed this vegan cheese. This is amazing. How yeah. did you know Instagram that I needed this vegan oh. cheese? I needed this new vegan butter. And of course it's coming to my door. We have more time than we think. We just have to make the choice. And that is building the awareness piece because with awareness comes choice. With awareness comes choice. Comes choice. 
Yeah, that feels like a yoga, a Yoda statement, doesn't it? So it's interesting. It's so Yoda and yoga are so close. I yeah. just realized that mm. in my uh, little slip up there. With awareness comes choice. I like this so very much. Um, I'm wondering if you would lead us through one of your favorite mindfulness practices. You talked about the senses, that those are available in every moment to us, like our breath, like our awareness, every moment. It's fresh, and isn't that beautiful to think about? So we'll give you the... Let's do it. I love this one because it's, you know, you could be driving in the car and do this one. You could be sitting in carpool. You could be um, getting ready to sit in front of your computer. Um, And so, you know, just find a comfortable seat. If it feels okay, you can close your eyes. We're just going to take a couple of big deep breaths in together. So breathe in through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Breathe in through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Breathe in through the nose. Hold the breath. And exhale through the nose or mouth. So we go through the senses. Let's start with the sense of touch. Feel the clothes against your skin. Notice the texture of the fabric. If it's soft, supple, or a little scratchy, thick, is it warm or cold? Notice the sensation of your feet in the shoes and the socks that you're wearing. Maybe even wiggle your toes. Rub the thumb over the forefinger as you just feel the texture of your skin. Going to the sense of hearing, just notice the sounds in the room where you're sitting. Without judgment or labeling, just allow the intention to go from sound to sound. Just noticing and and see if you can press your sense of hearing outside the four walls, maybe outside of your home or out into the street. Maybe as far as you can, listening for sounds off in the distance. Again, not needing to figure out what they are, where they're coming from. Just notice. Drawing back in, listening for the sound of your own heartbeat. Your body working just as it should. Notice your sense of smell. Breathing in through your nose, notice any smells in the room, any lingering food smells from something that you cooked the night before. Feeling the sensation of the the air as it enters the nostrils, you notice as it's cooler as it comes into the body and warmer as it leaves. Maybe those smells or noticing any of the smells of food, maybe the mouth starts to water. So notice the sensations in your mouth. Feeling your tongue rub along the back of the teeth. Even notice the element of water in the mouth. Maybe even lingering taste of toothpaste or mouthwash or 
beautiful lunch you might have had. And then for the sense of sight, just allow the eyes to gently open if they were closed or keep them closed. You can notice the natural phenomenon behind the closed eyelids and expansiveness. And if they're open, just allow them to kind of gaze off in the distance. It's like a gazeless gaze as you're taking in the sights and surrounding, but without fixating on any one particular sighting. And you just allow it to move from object to object. The eyes are closed. Do you notice for any phenomena, any visuals or colors or lights that may pass along the closed eyelids? And then just coming back, let's take a grounding breath together, breathing in through the nose and out through the nose or mouth, whatever feels comfortable. I'd love to check in and just notice how you feel after just those few moments, if the breath may feel a little calmer, or the chatter may have softened, or maybe the mind is, is busy, and that's okay too. I feel calmer. Mm. It's nice, just that little... Like a little mini vacation. Yeah. One thing I've been curious about is what do women usually say when they come to you? Mm. It starts with a lot of I can't. Okay. You know, I, I can't meditate. I, you know, there were a lot of women that I couldn't even call it yoga. It was just stretching. Like right. I just put it secretly yoga. You'll, you'll eventually be a better person. I know it. Um, but yeah, it's true. I, I don't sleep well. I'm tired. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. I mean, there's that badge of exhaustion that we've sensationalized as a society. I've interviewed so many women. One wrote a book about, you know, like rewriting the super mom. Like, let's let that go. Let's let this exhausted, overworked, underpaid, you know, lacking self-care to the point where self-care has gotten like this really negative connotation and another bar that is aimed so high that people just start to feel even more less than than they did before and really self-care which we all need is caring for self it's choosing yourself and this idea of a martyr that that we're here to sacrifice ourselves uh, for for our children first and foremost for all others in our life um simply is not sustainable. And so a lot of women um, I've found, you know, at this point where, you know, it's, it's an illness that brings them down or a tragic life event or a divorce or a loss in some way that uh, gets them to the point and say, okay, this is, this is it. I have to start choosing me. Um, but the beautiful thing is you can choose you at any moment. You don't have to get to that point. I mean, I, I personally, of course, was at that point in my life where, I, you know, I had to make some really deep shifts um, and I'm so grateful that I did because the path would have been a little bleak had I continued on um, on that path. Um, but the opportunity is always there. Uh, and for all the women listening, it is possible that we, we can just start to choose ourselves. And um, I think it's important that we sensationalize that piece of, of saying no, of, of honoring ourselves, of listening to our body, I mean, even my meditation this morning, you know, I was like, what does my body need? Okay, my body needs a day off. It needs rest. You know, so Saturday I'm going to go to the farmer's market and 
you know, do that kind of thing and just take it chill and, and really enjoy my Saturday morning latte uh, and, and take a slow morning. But honoring yourself, listening, the body is really smart. It usually has all the answers. And when you're running a mile and thousand miles a minute and uh, you're doing everything for everyone else, it doesn't feel good. Ultimately, I mean, things feel off. And I think we all know when things are off. Um, I tell women, ask for help. To anybody that'll listen, you know, we have to get better at asking for help, at delegating responsibilities. Um, and, and I think we're getting more. I think social media is trying to be more honest. There are more people on the platform that are less like, look at me and how great my life is, but look at me and my struggle and that we're in this together. And yes, it's hard for everyone. Uh, that even the people you admire and your mentors and the people you look up to, they're struggling too. And we're all in this together uh, as a collective human suffering. It's just part of the human condition. Uh, and that there is also choice. You know, Do something that brings you joy every day. Maybe it's uh, just going outside and taking some deep breaths of like winter air. You know, I'm a big proponent for like getting outside even when it's cold. I have a great pair of down pants. <laughs> I have a really ugly dog walking coat that I walk my dog in. But getting out and doing those kind of things um, to shift our perspective. Before I record, I find myself in my studio uh, jumping up and down, moving my energy. I mean, there's opportunities all the time. We just have to be conscious enough. Um, to, to, to choose it. And we can start to choose ourselves as women. And we can start to support our friends in choosing themselves um, and, and let go of the shame that we need to be anything different or more. It's great. If there are people out there Pinteresting their life away and Etsy shopping their elves on the shelves and, and all the things, I, that's incredible. And I love and respect all of that. And it's okay if that's not you either. It's okay if you're just getting by, um, but choosing a moment for yourself every day. And sometimes it's just breathing. Which is free. Like yeah. you said, it, it, no special equipment nope. required. You don't have to buy anything. <laughs> Nothing required. I'm wondering, just to kind of help folks visualize what it means to work with you or to um, start following your platform, I mean, where's the entry point? So you have, you have women who say, hey, I can't, or um, I don't know what I'm doing, or I can't sleep, or all, all these things that you had said, what then? So if they come to you with that, what what might be step one? Should they sign up for an e-newsletter to get used to you? Should they, do you have other sorts of services that would be a good first step? Well, I love, you know, on the platform of the Zenish Mommy podcast, you know, I made all of the breath, meditation things, they're all like under 10 minutes. You know, so we have to start, going from I can't to I can. So if everything is I can, I can't choose me, I can't sleep, I can't, you know, eat healthy, I can't move my body, I can't take a moment for myself, that's a tough place to be. I mean, if we start ourselves up for failure. And so finding something that you can do. Can you wake up a few minutes earlier? And even if it's a minute, I mean, we can find that as a humanity, as women, as a collective. So starting to find what your entry point is. Uh, I love just the education piece, whether it's, you know, my platform or yours or going to resources. There's so many free resources. I mean, what well, the internet's been bad. The internet's been great about providing these educational opportunities on YouTube or, uh, or podcasts or social media um, that bring joy and finding these little free moments of 
okay, I've got five minutes. I'm going to look up a breath technique or I'm going to learn about uh, holistic healing because I'm not sleeping well. And I'm going to see what kind of resources are out there. Uh, I'm going to talk to my friends and what they're doing. You know, we have to start being our best self-advocate and we have to take our own health journey, our mental health journey into our own hands. And no one else can do it. I mean, self-care is self-care for a reason. It's self. No one else can do it for you. You have to start doing it for yourself. Um, and and when you come into this, I can't, I can't, I can't, you're here, right? You're listening. If you're listening to this platform, then you're doing something. You're doing some self-care just by listening to right. this. That's right. So the biggest, the best way that you could say to get over feeling like you can't, that there's not enough space. Because you said if you don't do your exercise in the morning or meditation, it doesn't happen because you come last. Yeah, by the end of the day, the day gets away from you. The day gets away from you. But how is there any sort of advice on how to shift because that's a big shift. I mean, it's easy mm -hmm. to say, oh, okay, do do self-care. But when you have this ingrained habit of doing kids' laundry and packing the kids' lunches and being the soccer mom and shopping for all the Christmas gifts and wrapping all the Christmas gifts. I mean, I could go on for literally hours. If that all comes first and you come last, switching that, some people are probably not going to be happy. And I think we need maybe that's something we need to accept is there will be things that maybe fall through the cracks or we need we need to ensure that someone else or we ask someone else to um, take care of something. Yeah, the reality is like what's going to happen if the laundry doesn't get done? You know, I, I like a really tight ship in my house and I took a new kind of full-time position and um, it's just not going to live up to the way that it was when I was, I mean, it just isn't, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, crazy on the floor like seeing if there's crumbs because I hate walking on them in my bare feet but there's crumbs on my floor Amy and you what? know yeah I've got to be okay with it there's I mean, laundry how many? are there three no four? there no there's probably like a good amount and you know my laundry's <laughs> full that uh you know hasn't been folded and I've got to be okay with it that's my my practice in self-acceptance and giving myself grace and kind of laughing be like you know what no one died today I'm, I'm okay. I'm healthy. I'm safe. I'm happy. I would rather choose this moment than really go in and fold the laundry and I'll get to it when I get to it. I mean, the reality is if we look at everything in this very pass fail or this black and white, or it has to be, and we start to put all of these really tight restrictions on us, I mean, something's going to fall. Right. And then when we don't live up to it, then we become a failure and then it's just shame cycle and you know, the inner critic kicks up and it's all bad. Right. It's, it's never going to be good. But the reality is it's not that deep. I mean, you don't go to every soccer game. Kids are going to be okay. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I set my kids up. I like, hey, I'm going to go to as many soccer games as I can, uh, and I will not be at every one. It's just I just can't do it. Um, and they don't really care. I mean, to be honest, I mean, they might even like a little bit of the yeah, freedom, I mean, right? You know, I mean. <laughs> so someone's there. Someone sh took them and showed up, and you know, it's not always going to be me. But giving ourselves grace to like not show up as this Pinterest version of ourselves and allow us to have the human experience and laugh about it. And in choosing yourself, you know, I, I have this visual of like, you know, we're like this alien and we have all these uh, like probes extending from our body. We can only plug into so many things at one time. So if I'm not plugging into myself, but I'm plugged into laundry and I said yes to 
uh, baking cookies for the PTA and I'm going to this uh, holiday dinner and my kids have their recitals and, and then I got to buy all the presents and you know I'm all of it well I got to unplug from something so I have to say you know what I'm not going to go to that holiday dinner because I'm going to take that time for myself so we only have so much energy if you choose to unplug from something yes something is you have to say no to something to say yes to something else but the beauty in that is you can start saying yes to yourself and choosing that. And I always do this gut check. I'm the person that has gotten really comfortable at saying no. I'm kind of a fussy person and I don't like in winter and I don't really like to go out, you know. But I need to know that about myself. So I'm not going to commit to all of these dinners. I committed to a girl's dinner and I didn't know anyone there and I hated it. And I was like, oh, please remind me never to do this again. But knowing these things about ourselves and not saying because it sounds good or you want to be a certain way and like we just have to recognize like who are we doing this for? Does anybody really care? Or, you know, do you really care? Is it something you want to do? Doing the gut check, checking in, unplugging from something so that you can plug into you because ultimately you're it. Your kids grow up and leave. You know, you're, you're, you are it. You are it. And no one else can do this for you. Happiness is an inside job. Your spouse can't make you happy. Your job can't make you happy. Only you can choose your own happiness. And if you want to be happy, then you can start turning some of those I can'ts into I can'ts, you know, and really start to reframe. It's just taking a different perspective. It sounds like maybe surrounding yourself with some other folks who are wanting to do that could be helpful. Um, of course. For, for yeah, instance, check in community. with your inner circle. If everybody's there super negative and judgmental, you know, check in with that. Like, how does that, that feel? Too. Yep. Yep. And how does that manifest in your own life? Yeah. Um, as you hold <laughs> as the mirror kind of comes back to yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, from, everyone's from using group. you as a doormat and, 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 you know, you check in with that, you know, the people around you and how do they feel? And, you know, friendships are, you know, for a reason or a season and sometimes a lifetime, but not always. And recognizing that and part of growth and evolution is, is letting some things go when it's time, you know, and that's hard. I mean, it's all, everything we're talking about, Amy, is, is a lot easier said than done, right? It's all challenging, even to uh, the most seasoned practitioners and to the newbies alike. It's all challenging, but the rewards are there. Sticking with it, choosing yourself, making time for yourself, doing breath work, doing meditation, doing mindfulness, it pans out in tenfold. It may be clunky along the way, uh, but I don't know anything else that you can do that reaps the kind of reward as a mindfulness and meditation practice. I mean, if somebody else does out there, let me know. Hit me up on Instagram <laughs> if you found something that's like more rewarding than that in the long term. But joy is found in the present moment and you can't access that without mindfulness. I'm wondering what women say once they've immersed themselves in self-care and mindfulness, what, what you hear them say once they realize they can yeah, I think it's like a like a light bulb is turned on. You know, if you've seen someone that is a medita a meditator or a mindfulness practitioner or a yogi or someone that's chosen themselves and you see a light in their eye and they seem to know something that you don't know and you're like, "Ooh, I want a little piece of that." Or someone that has really incredible energy and you just want to be around that person, you're like, "Oh, I need some of that." I feel like that's it, is you get to be on the side of the knowing. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Like life is really joyful. Life is hard and life has sorrow, but life is really joyful. And you get to be on the side of the knowing. And I think women, when you start to have this taste of like, oh, wait, I'm empowered. I can 
I don't have to be a crazy stress ball all the time. And yeah, there's going to be moments where, you know, I don't say everything that I mean or I don't choose my words wisely or, I, you know, pop off at somebody or, 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 or whatever. But for the most part, I'm empowered because I know what to do to get myself back centered. So I think the women that come out that, you know, start to take some of this advice or, or use these practices or, or learn to create their own stress relieving toolbox feel empowered. That they, they're on the side of the knowing. They're like, okay, yeah, life is going to be challenging, but I'm equipped. I mean, I very distinctly remember this visualization. I was in a, a yoga class with Rolf Gates, who is an incredible yogi, and he wrote Meditations from the Mat. And we were doing, and I had a, just a very clear visualization. It was getting off of a roller coaster. And I was getting on another roller coaster, and I couldn't see where it was going. But I had a sense of peace. And I remember calling my mom, of all people, on my way home. I said, look, my life is getting ready to change in a really profound way, but I, I can handle it. Whatever is going to come up, I can, I can handle it. I said, I need you to remind me when I lose all of my you know, sanity and I'm crazy and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm telling you that I can't handle it, remind me of this moment. And subsequently, like, you know, we had our yeah, one of our sons, you know, moved out and went to boarding school. And we had a nanny that was like a family member that left, and life just got turned upside down, and different jobs and careers. And you know, the reality is, you can handle it, you know. And there's this this sense of knowing that happens when you start to put these processes, these practices into place. When you start to choose yourself, um, is that you can handle whatever life throws at you. It's not going to absolve you from pain and sorrow and grief and sadness it doesn't stop that uh, but it allows you to navigate it just a little more smoothly i say some of those huge mountains become just little ripples in the waves and you're able to navigate it more smoothly because you have a, a tool to get centered to get present beautifully said i'm wondering if you would as we wrap up here if you would join me in the glowy daily reflection practice. I would love to. Okay. Um, the glowy daily reflection practice. I developed this and included it in my book, the chaos antidote, a fable about mindfulness in the workbook. And it's something I do with my daughter actually daily. She demands that it happens before bedtime every single night. And it is, um, a really beautiful bonding practice. So she's a couple years younger than your, um, youngest and she is holding on to sweetness for the most part and this is one of those sweetnesses mm -hmm. is the joy of it's a it's a moment that I try to treasure every single day so um, the G stands for grateful so um, the L is for lift up something that needs um, some resources or someone else who needs those O is for observe W for wholesome intention and Y for you are that Mm, 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 the yummy thing you get to do before you leave um, to affirm yourself before you head out the door and so or before you head off to bed and so I'll lead you through one at a time and um, we'll get started with gratefulness what are you grateful for oh I'm grateful for being here in this opportunity in this beautiful studio uh, having this conversation with you it's been a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun um, lift up what needs resources? I want to lift up my husband. He struggles with um, a lot of shame, a lot of internal chatter, and so just sending the intention of presence to him. Mm, I have goosebumps over that. That's beautiful. O is for observe. You, we just went through all the senses, but what's just one thing that you observe? Mm, I have this um, 
anticipatory kind of excitement. So I have like some tightness in my belly and um, just excitement for maybe it's the getting ready to be the weekend. It's the holiday season. I'm not sure where this will air, but just that excitement of all the things to come. What about wholesome intention? My intention is to continue to show up as the best version of myself based on the resources that I have at the time. A lot of self-love in that. I like that. And now you are. You are whole. You are presence. You are love. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for sharing with me. I want to give you a moment to... Um, tell our listeners about where they can connect more with you. This has been a beautiful interview, and you are a treasure trove of resources for women. Seriously, check this woman out, all that she has to offer. You will not believe the breadth, the depth that she brings to the table to help women slow down, take care of themselves. It's really, really lovely, and her site is beautiful, and she has such amazing folks on her show. Um, Tell us about how we can learn more. Yeah, sure. So the podcast is called the Zen-ish Mommy Podcast. I release two episodes every week. Tuesdays are conversations with experts in the field of all things women's wellness. And uh, Thursdays are mindfulness meditation episodes. Just these little bite-sized snippets that you can start to create your own toolbox. Uh, you gave my Instagram handle, the underscore Zen underscore mommy, uh, or at the zenmommy.com. So reach out. I'd love to hear from you. So thank you for the opportunity to be here, Amy. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It has been a joy today. And from my heart to yours, may you live with ease. This is your host, Amy Morgan, signing off.